are you? When you look in a mirror, who looks back at you? Are you known by your name, Karen, or Tim, Ajit, Michelle? Maybe you're known by what you do with the main hours of your day. Are you a teacher, a trainer, a cleaner, a doctor, a parent? Maybe you're known by who you're related to. You're a spouse, a child, a parent, a caregiver, an aunt or an uncle, a grandparent, a friend, a neighbor. How do you know yourself? By your personality, maybe. Are you introvert, extrovert, organized, thinking, flexible, tolerant, kind? Maybe it's your skills or your talent that define who you are. Who do you see when you look in the mirror? Who are you? As we come to the last few Beatitudes, they invite us to ask the question, who are you? Where does your identity lie? Now, the world offers us so many options of how to answer that question. You can be whoever you want to be. The Gospels, however, give us one option. You are called to be a child of God, members of the kingdom of heaven. That is who we are. As we've spent time reading through the Beatitudes and the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, it's like a broken record reminding us again and again and again that who we are matters. We are children of God. Our character is shaped in the likeness of Jesus. And this truth impacts our whole lives. And we've seen that in the examples given to us throughout the Sermon on the Mount. Whether it's to do with our decision-making or how we treat others or our giving, prayer, how we follow Jesus in our everyday life. All of these actions like flow out of who we are. Our identity matters. The Beatitudes that we read today are the final two and they come back full circle to where we started, reminding us that those who follow Jesus belong to the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Like bookends, the first and the last beatitude assure us of our place as members in the kingdom of heaven. And verse 9 teaches us of our importance in our role of peacemaking, flowing out of our identity as children of God. Now, these final two Beatitudes focus on maybe seemingly contradictory topics. So we're called to be peacemakers in the world, but also, conversely, to expect maybe that persecution because of righteousness might occur as well. Both peacemaking 
and persecution will cost us. They involve relational effort on our part. And at times, we won't succeed. But we're called to try. Now, peacemaking here is the fullest view of being a person of peace in the world. Our example is Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he even humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Those words might be familiar to you. They come from Philippians 2. And they give us such a full picture of what it means that Jesus took a peacemaking role on earth. He did not have to come to earth. And yet he loved us so much that he walked into the mess of the world. He became like us to reconcile us to God. The role of a peacemaker is to step into the mess and help bring disorder to a messy world. To bring disorder uh, to those who are disordered back into harmony again. That's what Jesus did for us. God didn't sort of just scold us and tell us to do better. Jesus came and helped us. And not just helped us, he then made it possible for us through the cross so that we could be at peace with God. And so we're called to imitate that. Now, obviously, we're not Jesus. There's no need for a second saviour. But we can step into the role of peacemaking in the world, in our homes, in our neighbourhoods, in our community, in our workplace, wherever your local daily life is, wherever God has put you, by our actions, we fulfill the second commandment to love our neighbour as ourself and to act as a peacemaker. So this sometimes means that like Jesus, we have to purposely walk into the mess, the mess of conflict. And that sometimes means that when we would prefer to walk away because we don't enjoy conflict, we stay there. We point to Jesus. We help bring hope and reconciliation by sharing light and life. St. Augustine puts it like this. Hope has two beautiful daughters and their names are anger and courage. Anger at the way things are and courage to see that they do not remain as they are. We're called to be peacemakers, to share the hope in situations and to show others that hope as well. Now, whatever context you happen to be in, you're called to actively engage as a peacemaker. It doesn't mean you have to have formal conflict resolution training or mediation training, but you're called to share the hope of Jesus, the hope of light and love, and to offer that to those around you. 
and it's one of the most valuable things that you can offer. It means not turning a blind eye to injustice. It means walking alongside someone who's suffering. Peacemaking means walking along all the way through from beginning to end a difficult situation until there's resolution, until there's peace. And in that way, we're living out our identity as children of God because we're secure in our identity. First and foremost, we're known and loved. And it's when we have that that we can then share that with others. And we can live out that second commandment to love others as ourselves, as God loves us, to share God's love with others, walking into the mess of everyday life alongside our family and friends, our neighbours, our work colleagues, pointing them to Jesus. Now, our final beatitude is the only one where we experience something rather than us being taught to actively grow in a God-given characteristic. We're taught that we're blessed if we experience persecution because of our righteousness. Jesus here is affirming something that he talks about multiple times throughout the Gospels and we see throughout the New Testament that those who follow him are not always welcomed by the world. In fact, at times they're outright rejected, insulted, harmed or abused. The message of Jesus isn't always accepted when we share it. Jesus knew that his disciples would sometimes face a hostile environment. He instructed his disciples to be wise when they traveled, to seek places that were open to the good news rather than causing a ruckus. Sometimes trouble does happen though, but it's not really about us. The Beatitude reads, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Jesus teaches it's not about us, it's about him. Jesus, the son of God who comes to save. It's Jesus who people find confronting. It's Jesus who people don't want anything to do with. And so at times the response is to mock or insult, to treat badly or to hate those who stand with him. Jesus teaches his disciples, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you don't belong to the world. I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. To be a Christian means to be different from the world. And so there's times where we might feel out of sorts, like we don't fit in. Because ultimately, our final home is where Jesus is in heaven, in the new creation, and we long for that day. Now, we could experience this in various ways here, uh, and it's not to make uh, a mountain out of a molehill. Uh, we don't want to look for persecution everywhere, but there is a negative perception of Christianity, uh, and while we might not face personal hostility to our faith here, there is a sense for many in Australia that Christians aren't good news uh, and that Christianity is not necessarily good for you. So the message of the gospel might not be well received 
So I think this beatitude is a good challenge for us to be people of such good love and light in our community, in our neighbourhood, that people around us can't but help take notice, that we will be known for our good deeds. In fact, just a few verses on from our reading today, in Matthew 5, it says, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This beatitude, though, does ask us to take a big picture look at persecution in the church. And we do look beyond our own shores to see that there's no doubt that persecution based on religious faith and Christianity in particular does still happen and it is a problem in the world today. A few years ago, the UN instigated the International Day commemorating the victims of acts of violence based on religion or belief. This day was established in response to the increasing number of violent acts perpetrated against various religious groups, not just Christianity, because of their religion and faith. And it's devastating to hear the stats around how many people around the world are um, experiencing violence based on their beliefs. Uh, the organisation Open Doors estimates each year at the moment that around about 312 million Christians experience violent persecution because of their faith just in the top 50 countries where it's most dangerous to be a Christian. That's devastating to us and we should be praying. For some of these Christians, it means being renounced by their family. It means losing their jobs. It means intimidation to give up their belief. It means imprisonment and for some it means death. The daily cost is high for those living in a country where Christianity is not tolerated and violent persecution of Christians is normal. Now this persecution isn't just restricted to countries far from us and some of you will know the stories of our Iranian friends and what they've experienced. Or stories like my friend Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah and I were ordained together actually a few years ago and he's from one of the countries where it's most dangerous to be a Christian. Uh, he's from a Muslim family, and in his family, they pray curses on their enemies, uh, and including majority countries like Australia. He came to Australia to study when he was in his early 20s. And one day, Jeremiah and his friend had a day off, and they decided to go for a walk around the city, and they walked past St. Paul's Cathedral and decided to go in because that's what all the other tourists were doing. And when they went in, Jeremiah heard the minister at the front of the church praying a blessing on his home country. And he was just flabbergasted. Like, he was just like, what is happening? Why would this man in a church be praying a blessing on my country? Because in his home country, we pray curses on Australia. A, lo a very long story short, uh, Jeremiah decided he had to understand more about this faith that would pray for his country. Uh, and so he bought a Bible. Fun fact, he, he didn't know about buying Bibles and so he paid $50 for his Bible, which we all have a chuckle at now. And so he bought his Bible and he started reading about Jesus. And so, again, a long story short, Je Jeremiah became a Christian 
But as soon as that happened, his family disowned him. They didn't want anything to do with him. And so he had to become a refugee in Australia because they cut him off. He now has no contact with his family, but he has gained a Christian family. Uh, and he has much family in Australia that he considers like, as good as family. And he considers this family as greater worth what Jesus offers him because he has hope in the gospel and life in Jesus and so much more life than he ever found in Islam. The cost is high for Jeremiah, but if you ask him, it's 100%, 1,000% more worth than anything that it ever cost him. Now, whether our story is dramatic like Jeremiah's or less dramatic, our story is equally valuable. Any story of faith is of value. Because all of us have the same identity as children of God. And these Beatitudes speak to us today. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We are assured that our identity is fixed as children of God. This is the most amazing blessing. All around, the world is offering a multitude of ways to define ourselves, but it's like shifting sand. Jesus says, come to me. You can be sure of who you are because of me. You are children of God and that will never change. You are part of a worldwide family of faith. You are gifted eternal life and are promised a place in the kingdom of heaven. When all around us is a mess, these things are solid rock. Who are you? You are children of the most holy God and heavenly Father. What gives us identity? The Sermon on the Mount teaches us to model ourselves on Jesus, to grow in our character, first on the inside and then to show it outwardly. Jesus gives us our identity. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are secure in you, that we are known and loved because of you and that you give us the most secure identity that there is to be called your children, dearly loved and chosen. We thank you for Jesus that makes this possible. We thank you that Jesus has made a way and we thank you that we are called to be peacemakers in your world, that we are called to share this wonderful knowledge with those around us. We pray that you will give us courage to do this, even at times where the world is against us. We pray for those we know and those we don't, our brothers and sisters around the world who do suffer persecution. We pray that you will give them courage and strength. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
We're going to hand over to the band and we're going to sing the praises of God again.